0: Table Talks, a podcast all about the periodic table.
1: Today we have a special guest. Please welcome Eric R. Skeary. Thank you, Aubrey, for having me today. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be here today. Of course. I'm so happy to have you here. Why don't you just tell me what you do? I would love to. I was actually born in Malta, which is a small island in Europe. I'm a chemist, but I mainly teach chemistry. But I'm a historian and philosopher of science at UCLA. That's what I teach. Most commonly known, however, is that I've also written four books on the periodic table. <gasps> wow, that is very impressive, Mr. Skier. Oh, please, just call me Eric. Lovely. Well, in that case, thank
0: you, Eric. Well, why don't we just get into it? Why don't we just start with an
1: icebreaker? What
0: is your favorite? Favorite element,
1: <laughs> I can't say this is an easy question, as there are a hundred and eighteen of them, but I have to say hafnium now before you ask, let me explain why. first of all, it's absolutely gorgeous. Secondly, it's so cool. Did you know it's actually used to make the control rods on nuclear submarines? Wow, Eric, I did not know that you know I have
0: to say I'm a little biased towards gold as its chemical symbol is a u which is also the first two letters of my name. But oxygen is definitely a close second, not only because we breathe oxygen every day and it keeps us alive, but because its atomic number is eight, which happens to be my favorite number. Nice, Aubrey. Both great choices. Thank you. I have to admit, I don't know nearly as much about chemistry in the periodic table as you do.
1: Nothing to be ashamed of. I've been studying it for years now, but I would be happy to answer any questions you have about it. Well, why don't I begin with how exactly the element atoms bond together to create compounds? Incredible question. It's actually quite simple. Each atom has a certain amount of electrons, protons, and neutrons. This determines the charge of the element. So the atom that The atoms that are bonding with each other must have a stable charge. This is achieved when the electrons which reside on the outer shells of the atom pair up. This is when a single or double bond is made, and that's made to reach stability. When these atoms lose or gain electrons, they're actually called ions. (gasps) Wow. Okay, that was a lot
0: of information to take in. I do have a couple questions.
1: Yeah, of course. I'd expect you to.
0: Well, firstly, how do you find out how many electrons, protons, and neutrons
1: are in an atom? Oh, Actually, it's surprisingly simple. You just go to the periodic table and find your element of choice. Now, each element has a unique atomic number. This number is equivalent to both the number of protons and electrons. You're right. That is simple. Now, how do you find the number of neutrons? Although a little trickier, still very easy. All you need to do is subtract the number of protons or atomic number from the average atomic mass, which can also be found on the table. That's simple, huh? Yeah. Anyway,
0: second question, what's the difference between a single and double bond? Well,
1: when the electrons bond with one another, the bond can either occur with a total of two or four electrons. A single bond is when one electron from each bonds together, while a double is when two electrons from each element form a bond together. Simple enough. Now, are there
0: certain electrons that can be paired,
1: or all of them? Well, funny you ask that, because there are. They're called valence electrons. You can actually figure out how many valence electrons there are by knowing this rule. If the number of electrons in the outer shell of the element is 1 to 4, that is the number of valence electrons. Okay, so what about 5 to 8? So, if the number of outer shell's electrons is 5 to 7, then the number of valence electrons is the difference between that number and 8. Lastly, if... It has eight on its outer shell. The number of valence electrons is just zero.
0: You know, most rules in science are complicated and hard to remember, but I sure won't forget this.
1: Glad to hear.
0: Earlier, you mentioned average atomic mass, and it reminded me of average Isotopic. isotopic mass. Could you elaborate on what that specifically
1: is? Yes, of course. Each element has other isotopes. These isotopes have the same structure as the element but they have a different amount of electrons. However, they aren't stable. They each, however, have an abundance which refers to how much of that natural element is found, well, naturally on Earth. The average isotopic mass is found when the average of all the atomic masses of the isotopes are weighed with its abundance.
0: Thank you. I've always wondered about that. You know, we haven't talked about the actual periodic table yet. (laughs) You're right. Earlier, you said there were... 118 elements they have to be sorted somehow or else it would be chaos.
1: No? You're right. It would be chaos, which is why they're sorted into groups and sections. So, what are the groups? The table has 18 groups. In total, each group corresponds to a different column. There are 9 sections being nonmetals, alkaline metals, alkaline metals, transition metals, rare earth elements, noble gases, metalloids, halogens, and other metals. That sure doesn't, does not make things more simple.
0: I know that different elements are different states of matter. How does that work regarding the sections?
1: Well, as in the same, all the sections that end with metals means that naturally the element is a metal. Similarly with noble gases, they're actually gases. Easy enough. How about the metalloids and halogens? That's where it gets a little tricky. Metalloids are solid, but not necessarily metals. It's kind of like a halfway between metal and non-metal. Halogens are a mix. Fluorine and chlorine are gases. Bromine is liquid. And iodine and acetine are solids, but they're all halogens. You make it seem so simple. Thank you so much. The table also has periodic trends, which is just another way it's organized. Some of the trends you can find on there are electronegativity, first ionization energy, atomic radii, ionic radius, metallic character, electron affinity, and chemical reactivity. (gasps) All that from a periodic table? Believe it or not, yes. Take electronegativity,
0: for example. Sorry to cut you off before you explain that. Could you explain what electrogravity is? Negativity. Negativity is...
1: Yes, it is pretty much describes how well a compound can attract electrons, which is why elements with higher electronegativity have a higher boiling point and melting point. Thank you. Please continue. Anyways, take electronegativity, for example. As you go to the right or up on the periodic table, electronegativity increases. Wow, whoever created this really was thinking ahead. You can say that again.
0: The periodic table is such a helpful tool, and its elements are literally used every day. A is, used, elemoni, Aluminum, Aluminum is Aluminum. used to wrap the majority of my leftovers, and used to make a majority of the pans I
1: cook them in, and helium is used in all of my floating balloons. At an even larger scale, solar panels, which are currently being used to cut down on fossil fuels, are made of silicon. Silicon isn't hard to come by either. It's actually the second most abundant metal found in the Earth's crust. It can even be found at the beach. That's insane. I'm so also sorry this is our time for today. It was such a pleasure to have you here, Eric. No, thank you, Aubrey. It was my pleasure to be here.